So today we're going to talk about what might be called the godness of God. And that's who God is in and of himself, apart from his relationship with us. You're listening to The Unspeakable Podcast with Kim, Kimberly, and Brandy. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us again this week. I'm Kim, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Kimberly and Brandy. And we were just having, before we hit record, a discussion about how our Easter's went, because that was just this past Sunday. Um, And Kimberly, you know, had a really, really interesting Easter dinner. Why don't you share that with everybody? (laughs) Okay, if you insist. Yeah, you know, the whole, just... All of Easter weekend, it's Good Friday and Saturday and Sunday were just so magnificent. I mean, just started my Good Friday out with a hike and it was just me and Jesus and the wildflowers. And, you know, I just couldn't help but think of what a good God we have. And um, then we had our uh, Good Friday service in the evening and it was just incredible and just so worshipful. And uh, just, you know, Sunday, my husband preached and just really challenged us to apply uh, the gospel to our lives and our our responsibility in that. And it was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we had this great fellowship uh, for breakfast as a as a body. And, you know, we were full. And uh, it was just the two of us this Easter. And so, you know, afterwards we went home because we weren't really hungry and we sure didn't want to fight the crowds. And so we came home, we were, we just rested and reflected on just this magnificent work of God and Christ. Um, so about five o'clock we got hungry and our Easter meal was McDonald's. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> And you know what? It was awesome because I didn't have a single dish to distract me from everything that God was doing in right. me. And you didn't have to prepare food for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I had not. I, I'm, it may become a tradition. Right. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. So what I want to ask, what I want to ask is then, did you say, Lord, please bless this and nourish it into our bodies? <laughs> Because, like, the stuff doesn't decay if you leave it sitting out. I, I really like McDonald's. I'm weird like that. Lord, please make this food not trash that I'm about to eat. <laughs> okay. One time one time we were eating with some family, and we had French fries. And my son thanked God for the French fries, even though they were soggy. <laughs> and you know what? I was thankful for those French fries. And you know what? The, McDonald's was not on their game with their French fries, but you know what? I worshipped through it. It was okay. <laughs> Best meal ever. Thank you, Jesus. That's hilarious. Well, we yeah. I I got to spend um, Easter Sunday morning service in the children's church. It was my week. Um, and when I got out, I asked someone asked me, you know, how was children's church this morning? I said, well. The kids had definitely had their Easter candy before they came. <laughs> oh. It was they, lively. Yes, it was very lively. We played a lot of games to get the wiggles out. And um, and then afterward, we drove all over town trying to find a place open to have some lunch. 
<laughs> I mean, I think we went to about six or seven different places before we landed somewhere that was actually open so we could have a meal. It took us about an hour to find lunch, but that's okay. I'm not complaining. I'm just, it was funny. It was actually really, really funny as we drove all over town and we're like, nope, that one's not open. Nope, that one's not open. It was pretty funny. Like a scavenger hunt for your food. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you would lower the bar like I did. <laughs> yes, we could have done McDonald's. pretty much always open, so. <laughs> well, at one point I said, at one point I said, I'd even have, I'd even take McDonald's now. And my husband says, not me. <laughs> well, yeah. The fact that I even went to McDonald's, David was shocked because... <laughs> I don't eat McDonald's. I don't do McDonald's. And so yeah. <laughs> I, it was the closest that I knew was open and it was done. Yeah. It took care of what it needed to take care of. And yay. Yay McDonald's. Yay for right. Easter McDonald's. Well, you know, Jim Gaffigan, you know, the comedian Jim Gaffigan, he will tell you that McDonald's French fries are only good for seven minutes. And then they're... <laughs> Then they're not worth eating. It is true. Like, they're awesome for that two minutes while they're piping hot. And then once they cool off at all, it's like, what is this I'm eating? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Ours were not good, but that was okay. I really didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Okay. So we're going to, you know, follow that very holy discussion with some talk about some pretty fun theological terms. Brandy, why don't you tell us what's kind of been on your heart lately about this and, and why this topic came up when we were trying to do topic selection last week? Yeah, I was really blessed to be in a fellowship of women recently. And as I listened to them talk, the thought that I really came away with was they don't know who they are. And these are wonderful Christian godly women but ever since I went to this conference, I've been thinking about who who are we as Christians apart from the roles that we do. And part of what we set out to do when we changed our name to Unspeakable, um, we wanted to talk about the unspeakable glory of God and dig deeply into who he is so we can know and serve him better. And I thought this was a really good place to start. So then are you saying that when you said that women, the women don't really know who they are, you're talking about our identity in Christ, right? Exactly. As I was mulling around how to present this idea, I thought that as we approach this topic, it would be helpful to talk about God's identity versus his roles, because there is a difference. And I did not know that until fairly recently. Um, so today we're going to talk about what might be called the godness of God, and that's who God is in and of himself apart from his relationship with us. And the word that theologians use to describe the godness of God is his ontology. And that word ontos comes from the Greek, and it means being. Okay. And so when we talk about ontology, we mean the study of being. And so the question we're asking today is, who was God before he created the universe and us? Right. So, okay, some of God's attributes are he is love. He is holiness or he is holy. 
He is truth. But oftentimes we we kind of in our minds switch that to his role in that attribute. Mm-hmm. He is loving. But he's not just loving, he's love. He is right. love. He's the definition right. of love. Exactly. He's not just truthful. He is the definition of truth, you know. He is not just truthful, he is truth. So those those things are who he is. They're not just some external thing that he does. We we then want to make the distinction of who God is, those attributes that Kim just shared with us. He's good, we could add to that. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. That's intrinsic to who God is. But then when he determined to create the universe... His decision to do that was not necessary to who he was. That was a free choice on God's part. He could have chosen not to create. But in creating, he took on a set of roles that were not always his. And creator is one of those roles. And so is savior. And because of sin, he became judge. Now, that uh, wrath against sin is another expression of his love. In right. relation to us, mm-hmm. he, he loves what is good. Therefore, he must hate what is evil. But he wasn't a judge when he was just the Trinity in eternity past. So these these attributes describe not who God is in and of himself, but how he relates to us, his creatures. So I heard or I read one time at Christmas, someone made this statement, the only thing missing in Jesus is you. Oh, goodness. Right. Right. Okay. So how that statement does not line up on ontologically with God. Right. You're right? right. It doesn't. And that's because there's nothing incomplete in exactly. Christ, in God or the spirit. They are complete without us. Right. That is so well said, and that's why it's absolutely imperative that we understand this, because that's what my theology was 10 years ago. Well, God was merciful, you know, because he doesn't change, he's merciful, and he needed a way to express that, so he needed us, mm. and that's why he created us. And it's like, no, there, there's no need in God, right. like you said, Kimberly, Correct. so our theology really matters. <laughs> It really matters. Okay, so then how does this, how do we see this in our, in ourselves? What is, what is the difference between our identity in Christ and the roles that we live, that we fulfill? Well, what we want to do is we want to talk about who we are, our ontology as image bearers of God and the roles that we fulfill. And what does it mean to be made into the image of God and we want to talk about then also how the the fall has affected that. So now we have been created in as image bearers, not just believing children of God, all of creation Mm. bears the image of God. We see that in, in James three, when, when scripture talks about, uh, how we bless God, but we curse all mankind who are made in his image. What we want to talk about then is as image bearers of God, 
that is where our identity comes from. Mm. Okay. So who, who am I in Christ? Who am I as an image bearer? But something happened, right? Mm -hmm. The fall. Mm -hmm. So the image of, of who we bear of being image bearers of God has uh, been marred. Mm -hmm. It it has been harmed gravely. I might (laughs) add. (laughs) Um, It's not just a little owie. (laughs) This is, this is sin is bad and it has, it has marred this image. And so that's what we see that took place in, in the fall at the fall. And those who are his children, by God's grace, who have been saved, this image is being restored or recreated um, as we become more like Christ. Mm. And even though we don't see God, John 1.18 says that no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Yes. I love that verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because here we are without excuse, right? Because not only are we image bearers and okay, our image, yeah, it's been marred. But God sent a perfect representative mm-hmm. not only to save us, but to practically restore that image through his explanation of who God is. So that reminds me of Hebrews 1, uh, verse 3. And he's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. God is, or Jesus, that he that it's talking about is is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. Yes, and when we come to Christ, when we repent and put our faith in Christ, we are united with him. Mm-hmm. So that when God the Father looks at us, he sees his son and his perfections are credited to us. But in life, as we so in in one sense we're already perfect, in another sense we're becoming who we already are and that's what our sanctification is. Mm-hmm. And so as we set our minds to speak truth, we've already said that God is truth. This isn't a rule that we're trying to conform to. We're trying to bear the image of God by being truthful, mm-hmm. by conforming our nature to his, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes really and truly our nature as we walk out our lives. So I was talking about, you know, the idea of recreation and the restoration of, of God's image in, in me. Um, we see in Ephesians 4, 24, like we talked about uh, on a previous podcast, talking about the put-offs and the put-ons, where it says, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm-hmm. And so then we see our 
responsibility, just like when we were talking just a second ago about the idea of the justification was a total work of God, like we see in Galatians Mm -hmm. 2, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, I have been crucified with Christ. Yes. Okay. That act of that justification where it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then it says, and the life that I now live, I live in faith. Mm-hmm. And and so this idea is that now my obedience, I am following in faith. And this is where I am going to become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And also in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So here we see (laughs) our responsibility, right, in Galatians. But we also see the amazing work of the Lord through uh, Christ's Spirit working in us. And, you know, so we are in a partnership. Then there's also 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and new things have come. And then it also reminds me of um, Ezekiel 36, 26, where mm-hmm. he's replaced the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. You know, you are new. Yes. And so we've said all of that to say that is who you are, believer. That is your ontology. Mm. You are a image bearer and an image bearer of the, the living God. So then we'll, we'll move on from that. But it's important that you don't lose sight of that is your ontology. The nature of your being is that you are an image bearer of God. Right. So, okay, practically, I'm a woman. I have lots of roles that I fill every day. Lots of hats that I wear, you know, however you want to say that. And I think that oftentimes women, I'm speaking to women because I am a woman, but men do the same thing. Men find their identity in their jobs. Women find their identity in their motherhood or their beauty or their (laughs) (laughs) wifery. Their marriage, I'll put it that way. And being a spouse. Their housekeeping, being a keeper at home. Yeah, And that Mm -hmm. is not what God saved us for. Those things can be done without being a believer in Christ. You can be a wife, you can be a mother, you can do all those things and not be a new creation. Sure. So practically speaking, how does how does understanding our identity in Christ help us to not place too much value on our roles? I think like you said, with the man that would find his identity in his job, then his sense of worth and being okay is determined on by his success in that mm-hmm. arena. Should he succeed really well, he's going to feel on top of the world. Should he fail or should the Lord take that job for some reason, his, he, he will not be okay because his identity is tied up in something that's transient, that's, mm. that will perish Instead of in who he is in the Lord. And then we women do that as well. Sometimes our, you know, we, we take seriously the, the call to be a wife and a mother and a a homemaker. 
And it, it's kind of like what I saw in the ladies at the conference that some of them were very kind of smugly self-satisfied because they felt they had it all going on. And some were very discouraged and fe- feeling beaten down because they weren't keeping all the plates spinning well. And the mm. problem is not that, you know, one side is, is right and the other is wrong. It's both are anti-gospel. Both of these women, both the, the self-satisfied ones and the beaten down ones have their identity in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. When you recognize your identity in Christ, you're not thrown around by earthly success, however we measure that, you know, according to... So whether you had a four-course meal at Easter on China... Exactly. Or you ate at McDonald's. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. When we were talking, I'm like, your identity, your identity is not wrapped up in the meal that you prepared or didn't prepare on Sunday. You were focused on the Lord and that McDonald's meal that you're not fond of was okay because of that. Your heart was focused on Christ. Because God did not save us to make us a better cook or a better mother or a better wife. Now, those things can happen as a blessing yeah, of our salvation. Definitely. But that it was not the purpose he called us to himself for. He called us to himself to make us his disciples and that means to make us more like him. Exactly. And that is a role God has created women to be necessary allies to their husbands. And a lot of times that role does mean that we keep house, does mean that we raise children. But there are a lot of women in the New Testament, a lot of women in Scripture that are singled out as being godly women, like Priscilla, like Lydia, like the Proverbs 31 woman, that are businesswomen, as well Mm -hmm. as maybe keepers at home. We don't know if they raise children or not, all of them. But if, if my identity is so tied up in that role of housekeeper or whatever, I might miss some of what God has for me because like Priscilla's an apologist and Mary and Martha, Mary was a theologian sitting at the feet of the Lord. So those women's identity was tied up in Christ and being all that they could be in him, learning about him, studying him, following him. Right. And On the flip side of that, there are many women, like you said, who were beaten down, who are beaten Mm -hmm. down because their identity is still wrapped up in the fact, it's wrapped up in the same things, but on the negative side of it, the fact that that's lacking in their lives. And it is just so freeing to, to get your mind around the fact that that's not where your identity comes from. That's not where your worth comes from or your value comes from. Exactly. Yeah. And what, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're to do all for the glory of God. And that does mean as you serve your family in your home, you're called to do it well. Right. But that might look different. You know, I don't like to vacuum. And so I don't vacuum all that often. I'm glad scripture doesn't say thou shalt vacuum three times a week. No, that's not where our identity is. (laughs) It's a heart of worship as you serve your family in the home. If that's what God has called you to do, you may be like Priscilla, who's a tent maker alongside her husband serving in that way in a job outside the home. We don't want to, sometimes I think in in conservative circles, 
our theology of identity is too much of an overreaction from the culture. Well, the culture doesn't value the home. The culture doesn't value marriage and it doesn't value motherhood. So we want to make it a big deal out of those things. And, and to a degree that's good, but sometimes we can make too much of a, of a, of a big deal out of them so that women don't realize that's not where their identity is. Right. Well, and I would just say practically one of the things that I have witnessed is, say, a sermon on Mother's Day. Mm. Well, so you have a barren mother. You know, we if we're seeing the effects of sin, <laughs> are we not seeing it? And, and I'm not talking about individual sin. I'm talking about just the, the fall. Sure. And the fact that there are so many women who cannot physically bear a child. So then they go to church on Sunday morning and a well-meaning pastor talks about the highest calling for a woman and the highest role being a mother. They're devastated. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because why can't I, then why can't I do this? Right. Right. You know, I am not, so I am no, I'm not complete. Right. Right. And a lot of our messages to Christian women, like you say, leave out the women who are 30 and would love to be married and still aren't, or who don't particularly feel called to marriage. Paul exalted the the gift of singleness and saying that way you can be fully devoted to the Lord. But then right. they go to church on Mother's Day, like you said, and they feel like second class Christians mm-hmm. because they are not a wife and a mother. Right. Yeah, we don't have a certain Sunday set aside (laughs) for the single believers to honor and exalt their ministry. Right. But if we're teaching them every day to find their identity in Christ, then then the single person's not going to feel beaten down and angry when, which is easy to do too, you know, if, if you're sitting under a message that's saying, this is what God has called you to be, you know, you're, you're a wife, you're a mother. Well, it would be easy to get angry with that person. I know because I've done it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, that's also because your identity's in the wrong place. Like Kim said, both, both sides, smug well, self-satisfaction or discouragement. Mm-hmm. Well, and even elevating what man has said, you know, too, mm-hmm. above our, our identity. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we constantly have to take what our pastors and what our teachers uh, give to us and put it under the lens of, of, of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, that's going to that's going to take knowing what God's word says. Right. It's going to take uh, having a good understanding of who God is, getting out a good reliable theology book and 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 delving in a little bit and and resting in what God says and not maybe how man may be misrepresenting our identity. So we have we have to be really careful whether it's us personally misrepresenting what God says from his word or if we're allowing someone who has un- unintentionally misrepresented uh, God's word. Um, we have to be really careful to know what God says in his word, pick up a good theology book and 
reliable theology book and study God, study who we are in God, study our union with Christ. And we need to be careful not to elevate our roles above our identity to where we become worshipers of our roles instead of a worshiper of the God who has allowed us to bear his image. Mm. Amen. You know, that makes me think of, there's a couple of resources that came to mind as we've been talking about identity. And one of them is the free book that's available on Rick's site this month. It was written by our colleague, Mark Grant, and it's called Identity Crisis. And it's it's talking about all the things that we're talking about here. If you want further help there. I think that that book would be very, very instrumental in helping you. And you can download it for free at the website. There's also, I was thinking of Milton Vincent's Gospel Primer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preach the gospel to yourself every day and th- that identity crisis will not be such a crisis in your life. Amen, um, sister. <laughs> and Milton Vincent's book is really, really good. My husband cannot, he hates reading, and he has even read it and recommends it for every Christian. It's a really short, quick um, primer of the gospel. I mean, there's no better way to title it than what he used. It's only like 97 pages long. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the back of the book, his testimony is excellent. Yes. Of his journey to writing that book is mm-hmm. just a wonderful, wonderful personal testimony to the gospel. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So those are two great resources that I think would really help you if you want some further study on what we've talked about today, because I know that we have just wet your appetite and you want more. Thank you so much for listening to us today. We will talk with you again soon. Enjoy your coffee. Unspeakable is a ministry of rickthomas.net. Visit us and check out our other great content 